1: So as you know, we're always making pathetic, desperate attempts to class up the show, and you'd think almost nothing would work. But this time, this time, I think we finally made it. We have Candace Owens, who hopefully now and forevermore will be, I can simply introduce her as the host of Candace. Hello. It's so good to see you
0: welcoming myself to The Daily Wire, you're gonna see me a lot more.
1: I, I, we're thrilled, yeah. we, are, we are thrilled. And I, and I have to, I was just saying off camera that I'm so rooting for the show, I think it is a really important thing. You've
0: been rooting for me since the beginning. I have been rooting
1: for, him, yeah. for you since the beginning, absolutely true. So I, we we're gonna talk about politics, but before that, I, we were on backstage together And I have some personal questions that actually came into my mind as I was sitting there. I mean, you know I'm a novelist. I'm thinking, I was thinking to myself, I'm writing the character Candace Owens. And five years ago, you're on YouTube, mouthing off like everybody on YouTube. And now the curtain opens and you're sitting on this fairly, you know, this major talk show that is really different than anything that's ever been on television. What is going through that character's mind when that happens?
0: Oh, wow. It's funny. It's it's so difficult to pause. It feels like it, everything has been a rocket ship since yeah. I was on YouTube and doing my first video and just saying something different, I guess, just saying something different as a black American. Right. Um, and also being, I think, more audacious. I always say there were so many more intelligent black conservatives that have come before me. Condoleezza Rice, right? Like Not Dr. True. Condoleezza Rice, Dr. Thomas Sowell. Well, he's more um, intelligent than, yeah, all, right, us, than right. all of us. right? <laughs> yeah. And yet, uh, I remember having a conversation with Dr. Ben Carson, a literal, actual brain surgeon, and he said to me, I don't know how you've been able to make s- such strides in such a short amount of time, and um, I haven't been able to do that. We've been doing this for so long, and I said, well, the difference is you were too polite, right? And I said that to him, mm-hmm. and is sitting in his office. He was too polite, and I think that what, I, what that character thinks is that having the courage really to stand by your convictions, but also to do it in a way that allows them to know that you're not gonna take that nonsense and, and be um, you know, spoken down to or just accept being called a coon or castigated because of uh, daring to think for myself, because I'm I'm an individual, I would probably that character would think, wow, this is this is really amazing. This is a wonderful moment to be in and it's because I believed in myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and you know, it's, I used to say this to people in Hollywood because a lot of people in Hollywood would come up to me and drop their voices and say, you know, I, I saw you on Hannity. And I would say, why, why are we whispering? We're right. We're in the right. You know, and I think that that's the right attitude today. You know, the other thing that occurred to me as we were talking on backstage is you mentioned that you have gone back to the church. And it's not something I've heard you talk about a lot. And if you don't want to talk about it, I won't, you know, because in, in conservatism, sometimes the church becomes almost a badge, uh, you know, I'm a conservative, I I go to church, or or something like that. Is this actually a movement in your life uh, toward God?
0: Yeah, I I don't speak about it often, and and you're correct. And I remember early on having a discussion with Ali Stuckey, um, and she was kind of trying to figure out if, now that I was conservative, I was going to come out and be like, yeah, and I'm a Christian because I'm conservative, and that's the box to exactly, check, kind of like right. the Joe Biden, I'm a Catholic, and then Psalm, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right? <Yeah>. Pretty good. <laughs> I uh, actually was raised um, in a Christian household, and when I say Christian household, I mean every single morning we had to study the Bible. Um, I've written in my book uh, about my grandfather and the influence that my grandfather has had, and Um, I just, for for us, we were just, I guess, Bible Belt. my grandfather, faith has always been a dominant in his life, faith and family. And when I was growing up, I was very embarrassed uh, to be a Christian. I was, you know, because once you start socializing, uh, being somebody that was raised, reading my book of Bible stories yeah. and uh, having Bible studies and every morning having a Bible study around the breakfast table became embarrassing. I was ashamed because mm. I wanted to be cool, right? Because secularism teaches you that you can be either or. Yeah, right? yeah. You can be cool and hip or
1: right. you
0: can be a Christian and you can go to church with your family and so I fell away once I moved out of my grandfather's house um, away from my childhood and I became more liberal um, and I felt okay this is the cool I'm gonna pick cool now and in being cool I was dying on the inside mm. I was just dying on the inside I was so miserable when I was a liberal um, I, was, I was I I lacked <laughs> confidence crowd, right, right. Yeah. I lacked confidence um, I was miserable and I was doing these things that were supposed to make me feel freer and yet in many ways, it was it was more like bondage. Uh-huh. And when my grandmother died in 2013, it hit my family in a way. It, it was just it was really really hard. It was a very quick death. We didn't know that she was going to die. She was in the hospital and she was dead two weeks later. And it broke all of us. I mean, it's still it's still very difficult for me to talk about losing my grandmother because she was a mother to us, and mm-hmm. she was just a woman who I can't think of a more perfect human being. My grandmother never even swore. If she ever got mad, when she got really mad she would call you a dodo bird. (laughs) She'd say, oh, he's a dodo bird. Um, (laughs) That's that's tough. Yeah, yeah, and so when she died, I just sort of had to face myself in a different way, meaning I remember the last thing she said to me was that, you know, Candace, I worry about you, and I was being cool, Candace. I walked into the hospital because she's supposed to be out in a couple of days, and I had this... Purse. I'll never forget Stella McCartney purse. And I was like living in New York City, and she just looked at me, as in this isn't the child that I raised up. No. Similar, you know, in Genesis it talks about train to raise up a child the yeah, yeah, way. Yeah. Um, and it just it transformed things for me. I, I sort of said, wait a second, my grandparents they got something right. You know, married when they were seventeen, stay together until my grandmother's dying day in 2013. Uh, they were religious. Uh, they actually steered far away from secularism, were not never involved in politics, and they were the greatest examples and the happiest people that I ever knew. And it just kind of made me change things. And then when I met my husband, who is also deeply religious, um, his father uh, sits in the House of Lords and Christianity is is written into the DNA of everything that he does. Mm. He does work on the family. Husband uh, studied theology at Oxford. It just sort of, you know, just brought me right back to... Yeah. Where I, where I started. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, so you,
1: it, it was coming back, I was coming home. Yeah, I was yeah, coming yeah, yeah. home. So one of the things that always bothers me, we're talking about Thomas Sowell and all, you know, Shelby Steele, one of my favorite uh, political writers, Shelby Steele. But, but if you're black, that's what you get asked about. That's what you get asked to talk about. And there's obviously so many things right now in politics. It's such a big issue that it's hard to get away from it. So here's something I actually want to know. Because as, as an old white guy, I lived a white life. When I heard people say Black Lives Matter, we were raised, we were taught that we were all Americans, we were all, you know, together in this, and we were not going to live that life. Is there such a thing as a black life?
0: Uh, It's just a life, just a life. (laughs) But there is such a thing as a black life, you know, if you have political interests that you're looking to further and you're the Democrats and you realize um, that you can gain advantage by really drumming up racial issues and pretending that uh-huh. we're all so different and we're all segregated. You know, the Democrats originally were the people behind authoring racial policies, um, segregation and things of that nature, and they're behind it again. So they, they really haven't steered far from their roots either.
1: Right, right, so they, so it's <laughs> a, a black life is imposed on you. It's not actually something you live.
0: No, Okay. it is not something you live. You
1: know, one of the things that I've noticed, having grown up in, in an America where you, you knew what an American looked like, not by the color of his skin, but by the look in his eyes, because he was—he he was thinking, "I come from there, but I'm headed there," and that's how you knew. You'd see it with the Koreans who came in. You'd see it with the Irish. You'd see today when I see that look in somebody's eyes, it's almost always a young black person. They—they mm. they have got—they've got it. You know, the t- obstacles have been taken out of the way. People are rooting for them. I think in real life, outside of Democrat politics, people are actually rooting for them. And I meet people all the time who have got plans and they've got you know. Uh, They've got ambitions and they're building businesses and uh, and I just keep thinking, why do they have to it, doesn't this black lives matter or this whole democratic plan doesn't that get in their way? Doesn't that stop them?
0: Of course it stops them. you know w- w- any anybody that's telling you, even if there was this big issue in America surrounding race, which I do not believe there is um, and statistically, there just is not. There's no proof of that. If you start looking, <laughs> start looking at the data, there's just no proof of that. But even if there was, you know, the idea that you're telling a bunch of black people that every time a black person dies, your response should be to riot and to loot and to steal televisions, right, right from Walmart or from Target, um, because you deserve it. I mean, what what is that? You're, you're just teaching them to act like toddlers, right? right? Um, and there's a reason for that. And I, I do truly believe, and I spoke about this, obviously, backstage, is that they are trying to turn black Americans into permanent toddlers. Um, who don't have a grasp of anything outside of their own emotions, right? So to a toddler, genuinely, you look at a toddler, and they're really crying about not being able to have candy for dinner. It's, it's real to them, yeah. right? Like, so yeah. it's, it's, they don't care about the statistics of what, you know, obesity. They don't care about any of that stuff in yeah. reality. It is like, I, I need this for dinner, right? And this is sort of the, <laughs> this is the psychological programming that's happening uh, toward black Americans right now via Black Lives Matter, right? Like this is you, all you need to care about and obsess over is race race. race. Nothing else matters. Look at the stats, data, nothing. You are justified in screaming, um, and it's such a dangerous, such a dangerous thing to do. And, and you, like I said, remove Black American trauma. Imagine toddlers justifying that, right? And saying, "You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You need candy for it. You know, this is. What, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. You do need to watch TV all day. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right." what would happen to that person, right, to, that, to that little person when they grow up?
1: You know, I say this when I when I spoke at colleges before the lockdowns and all this, and, and I would talk to a, a black guy. I would say, guy to guy, if a politician told me that I wasn't able to do something without him as a guy, I would tell him to get stopped. I would walk away. I would never vote for a politician who told me I was helpless. You know, It's unmanning. It unmans people. You yeah. know? Do, you, do you confront people yeah. about this you do yes yeah.
0: it is implicit racism like you wouldn't believe yeah and, and and it's like you don't even you're not even aware of your own racism and i'll give you a quick little anecdote we obviously just moved into nashville right and my husband and i were outside we had some construction meeting outside and the neighbors came down to meet us. super nice couple my husband was outside first talking to them and they were keeping the conversation friendly and then i was like oh i'll go down and i'll i'll go say hi too and yeah. i get down there and my husband's like, oh, this is my wife, Candace. And they look at me, and they say, look, interracial couple. She's black. Why are we in all our politics? So they said, well, you guys are so lucky. You just moved into town now before. There used to be nothing but Nazis living on this block. <laughs> right. And we said, oh, really? They said, yeah, but you know, we've done some redistricting, and, and things are better now here in Nashville. But you got here just in time. That is such implicit racism to look at someone and say, "I already know your politics, right? I know you're a Democrat because you're black, right? right? So now we're comfortable. Hey, let's have a conversation about the Nazis um, next door, (laughs) right? So it's and it happens all the time. They just think they know everything about me because of the color of my skin.
1: So. There have been articles recently that the leftward drift of the Democratic Party is actually leaving minorities behind, that Hispanics and blacks are just going, like, this is not what we voted for, this is not what we want. They voted for Biden because of that stupid look on his face that says he's a moderate. Are people catching on, or is that... uh an illusion.
0: They've been catching on. and It's not an illusion because think about the fact that you have had no president who has been harassed more with claims of being a racist and a white supremacist than Donald Trump, right? right. And that's incredible because you had presidents who were sitting in office who were actually racist. Right. Um, and they, they had never faced charges of racism like Donald Trump faced. And yet, despite that, in, in, in 2020, he gained eight points amongst black men yep. and he doubled his support amongst black women. What does that tell you? Hispanic vote. Yeah. What does that tell you? That the race narrative is failing so i try to get people to focus on that and to realize that the rhetoric is falling short and they know that right if you look at the democrats right now they're not acting like winners they're no, not, acting they're like not winners. i agree I right agree. after yes. you win a game yes. you don't go okay now center everybody who's ever had an opponent and and make them go away and <laughs> yeah. this person and these people are insurrectionists and bull and all over here and and make it go oh and by the way uh we beat him so squarely and fairly that we want to make sure we pass laws so we can never run again <laughs> that's not how winners act i'd be like oh i beat you so easily i hope i have to run against you time and time again because right. you were an easy person to beat yep um so
1: no I, that's good it's, I'm, I'm glad to hear it it's hopeful so what do you want the show and and like i said you know i'm not somebody who watches talk shows but this is a show that i really feel is important what do you hope it'll be
0: um, you know, I hope it will be me. When I say that, I, I think that when I entered the space of politics, I was kind of questioned from both sides because people said, "Oh, well, you can't be in politics and also enjoy culture, right?" Mm. And then people <laughs> like, "Well, you can't be in culture. You can't go from, you know, having a debate with Cardi B to to then uh, wanting to sit down and have an interview with Vice President Pence." And I said, "Why not? Mm. You can't go from hanging out with Kanye West to hanging out with." Ben Shapiro, why not, right? Um, and so I have always understood what Andrew Breitbart said, which is that politics is downstream from culture. He's correct. It is, right. is beautifully said, perfectly said, um, and I understand that they're constantly speaking to each other. And I want my show to be exactly that. Um, I want sh- I want to straddle that line. I want I want it to be a show where one week. Kanye West could be sitting down and I could be interviewing him and the following week you know I just put out a public request to sit down with Vladimir Putin that I could sit down with him and discuss foreign right. policy um, and so that is what you're going to get in the beginning you'll get a monologue these will be written for me every week about just what's on my heart what's on my mind and really kind of getting America for the first time to focus on the issues because I think right now and something the left is really good at is like creating this ADD right something happens it gets a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of headlines, and they move on very quickly. And then you go, wait a second, but this thing that you said actually didn't come to fruition or actually was wrong, but now they're creating a fire over here, so we're not looking. And I, w- I also want to be able to go back and to digest uh, with Americans and say, no, this was really important, and we need to talk about this That's great in a yeah. longer fashion.
1: Yeah. There's, if you do sit down with Putin, don't drink the tea. That's the only <laughs> <one>. <laughs> that's like,
0: I will not drink any <laughs> yeah. tea. Don't
1: drink anything that's glowing, don't drink that, it. So, so what... A- if you had to pick three issues, if you know these are the things that I think are really on on Americans' minds or should be, mm-hmm. what would they be?
0: Um, I think at this exact moment, I would say uh, domestic terrorism, and I put that in. Uh, I think there's a lot of really scary stuff going on in terms of conservatives being silenced Mm -hmm. um, and this idea of domestic terrorism being used. Um, You know, the FBI, people showing up at people's doorsteps and saying, why were you here? Um, is something to be alarmed about. So I I wanna really talk about what's going on in this country, the education system is high up there. Uh, Kids feeling that they can't speak up or, or you know this propaganda yeah. being told to just remember the answers and do not think critically and obey um, or have your lives ruined is, is really scary. So that's the angle towards young people. Um, and then of course I would just say culture. Yeah. I mean it's I'm, I'm saying a lot. People think it's oh this is dumb. Why do we care about? The Queen or uh, and Meghan Markle and why do we care about Cardi B? Let me tell you what the political message is. Let me tell you why you need to care about these right. issues and what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And you think it's just a Grammys performance? You think it's just um, Meghan, you know, and and Harry being brats? But there are there are more important things that we need to talk about here. That's yeah, happening, which is the corrosion of values.
1: Conservatives are slow about this. They have been yeah. very, but it, but it's changed. It actually changed with Trump. They started to realize. Thought oh, it was me. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe just, They happened at the same time. Okay, who knows? You know. <laughs> you know. The one, the one last thing I want to talk about is that, uh, along mm-hmm. with being black, you're also a, a lady, and you know, you had this argument with Cardi-, Cardi B that was really fascinating, talking about the fact that she was kind of degrading herself and all this. But but you say a lot that you have an audience of young girls, and this is I, I feel that that women ha- are are actually. Being trying, they're trying to convince women to become extinct. Mm. What do you want them to see when you come on stage? When you do this show, what do you want them to see?
0: I want them to see that, in many ways, uh, America, America threw out the baby with the bathwater. And what I mean by that is that there were some things in America that definitely needed to be fixed, sure. right? Coming Always. out of segregation, Always. racism, yeah. of course there were things about America that were not great. But there were some things that America was really getting right. And what pro- progressivism is teaching the young girls is that everything about America is rotten and wrong and backwards. The idea of you wanting to be married and being in a household is them trying to hold you down to new form of slavery. Um, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I want to teach them that discipline, making good decisions, it sounds weird and it sounds paradoxical, but discipline does lead to more freedom. It does.
1: It does, All right? it's
0: true. And uh, that these people that you are following and thinking these people that are so cool and so hip you need to really examine their lives um, and ask yourself one question which is, is that individual happy? Is that the lifestyle I want to lead? And nine out of ten times you will say no. So why am I following this person? Conservatism works. Uh, Traditional American values work. Family works. Um, And self-respect and dignity also work.
1: It's funny, people wanted to be let in. That was the problem with segregation. So we were keeping people out. Mm -hmm. Not that the values were bad, but that the door was closed. When you open the door, you should come in and take part in those values. Like, right, that's what they're there for. Candace Owens, I always love talking to you. It's just great, and it's great to see you. And I'm so glad you're here. Your show is Candace, creative name. Wonderful to see you. I hope to see a lot more.
0: Definitely will.